Hey everybody, welcome back to the Yoga Living Project, the podcast that explores what it means to live your yoga. I'm co-host Austin Richmond, and this is part two of our opening episodes. This is where Amber Richmond sits down with me and interviews me and asks me some hard questions. And uh, yeah, actually we cover some things we've never even talked about in 36 years of knowing each other. So I well, hope you enjoy. Okay, interview part two. All right, you ready for this? I am. Little brother? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I actually want to start with a question that I think about a lot, and Mm -hmm. I don't think you and I have talked about this strangely enough because Mm. we talk about everything pretty much. Mm -hmm. You and I are two people who've been... I mean, yoga has become our lives, mm-hmm. and not just because it's what we do for a living. It's it's what we talk about. It's what I mean. We it is every part of our lives. Even when we're talking about money, we're talking about yoga. Right. It's everything. Do you think there was something about our childhood and the way we were raised hmm. that kind of led us down this path, or or at least made it? more likely that this kind of path would be appealing to us or and if so what do you think it was and if not what do you think that's about do you think it's like a kind of a karmic thing that Mm -hmm. we're here to work on together so I'm curious what your perspective is on that hmm gosh I don't know um I've never really thought about if there's anything from our childhood that led us to be like involved in yoga at such extent um i don't know i think you know ultimately yoga is kind of just about relationships really like it's funny because there was a time period where i could tell like yeah i was getting like serious you know like i'm a serious yogi now like i just spent you know like six hours of my day in a workshop and then tomorrow another workshop and you know you'd feel fatigue from those kind of things but there was also like a voice in your head that was like um you know it's better to be fatigued by this than most anything else you know there was still a lot to enjoy about it um but I think that uh you know probably what's fatiguing about it is really more than anything the stuff that gets off topic about things other than relationships Um, because really when it comes down to like you being an introvert me being extrovert I (laughs) I get energy I get charged from being around people doing things with people all the time I mean I need my downtime obviously sometimes but um, and strangely enough being a yoga teacher being having to be required to be more of an extrovert um, just by the stock and trade of the situation has definitely got me more in touch with being an introvert um but ultimately i think that you know i just think when we were kids you know like um you know we i i don't know why this memory just came to my head but we'd go to your swim meets Mm -hmm. and i would just always like wander off and my mom would like and i was like what two or three or four and mom would find me like just like hanging out with somebody 
It's just always a different <laughs> yeah. person, you know, like some stranger that I didn't even know. You know, there was no stranger danger in the 80s at the swim meets. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I didn't, you know, I think we've always had a special relationship as far as, um, you know, like you mentioned in your interview about sitting in Denny's drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes for six hours till two in the morning on a dollar 99 I was such a bad older sister um yeah and me driving the car when I was 14 without a license but who didn't do that you know or maybe you didn't anyway uh but you know like that was all about relationships and community and people and you know that was I think that was a huge part of my education growing up then just like yoga yoga educates me now through my relationships with people more so than you know I I, don't get me wrong I love to sit and read scriptures and old sacred texts and even modern texts um, but I think ultimately I get more probably from um, my students from other teachers from teacher trainees when I train them and from my teachers than anything just like I did back in the day at Denny's hanging out with you know, people way older than me debating politics and religion till we were blue in the face. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, and that's something I think that you are especially good at is you are able to be introverted when you need to and to really ponder the big questions and the, mm-hmm. the deep stuff and then bring it to, you make it relatable. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something really cool that I think you do. Yeah, thanks. What? Just tell me a little about your journey, um, your introduction to yoga and what that was like. Because one thing that I think is different about your journey than a lot of people's is you're a male. (laughs) And it's been going on for a while. And when you started a lot of guys at least here where we're at in Colorado Springs were not doing yoga mm-hmm. and so I'm hoping you'll speak to that a little bit but also just your story and your journey yeah so that's true there's definitely a lot more uh, fellas out there guys doing yoga here in Colorado Springs I'm sure like when I started yoga probably 2004 and that was my first class and then two years later took a class at a studio then a year later took another class at a studio and so early on it was relatively sparse and more of just kind of a novelty type of thing I mean I did notice how difficult it was and how even from the very first time I did the first yoga posture I ever did was a a warrior two that you had me do in mom's dining room and I remember being like whoa like this is really hard and um in a totally different way than, you know, being an athlete growing up, than my relationship to hard was, where this hard came from kind of like the inside, whereas with most sports you're trying to do something or achieve something, and when you kind of take that, uh, when you take that leverage away from the intention and you have to, and it's just all relied on you. I, I realized very early on, I remember being kind of a profound feeling of like, there's not a lot here. And um, so. Uh, not a lot where? 
like I didn't have a lot of, I don't know what you call it, like chi or gotcha. energy yeah. or prana or, you know, like I, I was pretty oblivious to life force energy and, um, you know, and I, and I think he, you don't even have to call it anything that metaphysical, just even like the difference between doing something plyometric, like a Pilates class versus snowboarding or playing baseball. I mean, it's a completely different functionality for the body. Um, and so that was intriguing to me, but almost challenging beyond any necessity. Like there was no real point for me to stick with it. Cause I was like, wow, that's way too hard. What's the benefit here? <laughs> um, but then when we did go to a yoga class, I was very impressed by people, what they were doing and who they were. And they seemed just very attractive to me. Um, and in, in kind of a comprehensive sense where like I was just, you know, they were beautiful people, but they also had some je ne sais quoi about them. Some like kind of light that, um, you just didn't see anything. And like, you know, we joke about that now being in the yoga bubble in Colorado Springs. Like we live in a yoga bubble cause we teach yoga and we're around people who are invested in their health and their well being, And they look good cause they feel good and they feel good cause they look good. So it's very common now, but you know, coming out of the world I was in at the time being, um, you know, really kind of involved with the bad kids and lots of drugs and, um, stepping into that world, that was a whole level of wellness that was completely uh, kind of stopped me in my tracks. And so the studio experience was a whole other thing. And then um, the next year, my and of course it was something I could never afford. We ended up going because there was like a free week or something. And then I was like, cool, I love this. This is great, but I'm not coming back because I'm not going to spend my money, you know, like this is way too much money to just be able to afford. Um, and then a year later I came back because I knew I remembered I would be able to get my birthday class. And so we went again and it was at that time it was about, I was considering doing the teacher training and only because our grandmother on my dad's side had passed away and left us like $3,000 and, you know, me being kind of a, you know, flunky out of, college several times and barely squeaked by high school and <laughs> spent a lot of money in on bad things and you know uh just wasted a lot of time i was like i'm not gonna waste this money i'm gonna do something with it and we went to that birthday class and i saw they were doing a teacher training and that was very intriguing to me and i was like well maybe i should do that and you're like yeah go for it I was like okay so i called them up and we're like can I, can I do this? I've only done yoga like three times, four times. Can I do it? They're like, yeah, you can do it. And I was like, are you sure? So there was, I was a bit in shock that there was no pre-qualification required other than the money, which um, I totally get now being on the other side of that, that like in a way being a, a freshly stretched canvas, that's kind of a perfect inroad to teacher training, which, you know, I can't tell you time and time again we meet people who are always like oh i can't do teacher training until i can do the crow or you know touch my toes and it's like you know yeah and now that's kind of that's a good memory for me because i remember going into it completely naive and innocent and um 
and it's such a different experience than people who go into teacher training when they feel like they're ready and they like already know everything. It's like, dude, drop all the know-it-all. It's like, come back to the beginner <laughs> mindset and mm-hmm. you'll get a lot more out of this. Um, so I did get a lot out of it. And yeah, there were 15, 16 people in the group and there were three guys, which is actually pretty good odds compared to a lot of the teacher trainings I've led and been a part of even since then. Um, but yeah, pretty much from the beginning, um, that was always kind of a big part of it being one of the only guys around and knowing that. And, um, even for the first several years I taught kind of not really having a lot of, uh, peers in a locally. I mean, there, you had your like Darren Maine and Baron Baptiste and all the kind of the godfathers and grandfathers and you know, yoga badasses all over the country. But um, as far as Colorado Springs growing up, there wasn't really many guys that either that I knew or that I looked up to as far as how to be or what to be like. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, still, I mean, we run teacher trainings now where there's like, you know, 15 girls, one guy or two guys in it. And um, I think guys get intimidated by that a lot being around that much female energy but I was raised by women too I was raised by you and mom and I had a lot of guy friends growing up um, but I also always had a lot of girlfriends and um, I don't know for me it's been a fairly natural fit because I just you know I'm just I'd probably rather be with hang out with a woman most times than another guy just because there's I'm not a typical guy in the sense that like you said I'm a little bit more self-reflective and um, and all those kinds of things and I definitely think yoga has changed me in a lot of ways that have made me a little bit more uh, <laughs> whatever f- feminine and you know in touch with my emotions so that feminine energy is something I'm a lot more comfortable with now. Yeah. Well, and speaking of just how yoga has changed you, because I've seen this evolution and and I continue to see it. And so it's this cool thing to think of, you know, what was going on in your life, what you were doing with your time when you first stepped onto the mat. Mm-hmm. And then even to just, I mean, the, you and I talked recently about just how much in the past year I feel like you've you just continue to keep applying the learnings from yoga mm. and it just keeps your just evolving all the time and something I hope you'll speak about a little bit right now is you briefly touched on you know the drugs that were in your life mm-hmm. at that time and I know you were smoking lots of pot and and there were all kinds of things going on. And I also know that there is probably a correlation between yoga coming into your life and you getting out of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm not sure. And I don't know if we've ever talked about it in the context of like how did yoga affect yeah. that? Was it a catalyst for change? Totally. Yeah. Um well, yeah, because I spent a lot of time I spent, uh, early on, because I definitely, I was like a daily pot smoker, like morning, noon, and night, all day, every day, for like 
oh God, over 10 years, smoked cigarettes, drank probably two or three times a week and at least one of those times too much, you know, for a week. Um, and then dabbled with other experimental drugs here and there. Um, and all just kind of like, not necessarily in like a totally like out of control addict way. Um, like I know some people's stories are, but also not with any sort of like, uh, knowing what I was doing. It was a bit of like, just kind of like a balloon in the wind, you know, like, okay, I'll just do a lot of drugs this week or this week. I won't do a lot of drugs. There was never any rhyme or reason. And I didn't have a lot of ground as far as religion or um, even like male role model. Uh, And so the peers that I kind of ran uh, into in high school were the ones that, um, you know, were outsiders like you. And they tend to be kind of, you know, into those type of things. So, yeah, high school was tough got through it, did college and stuff and bad relationship after bad relationship trying to save somebody else when really like, I think, uh, I probably just needed to save myself and yoga was the thing that empowered me to do that. And more than just the yoga, honestly, it was teaching yoga because, um, early on I, you know, I didn't change much right away. It actually took a long time and I, still kind of wonder how it happened and have to uh, just bank on the fact that a lot of my ability to just kind of drop some of that stuff had to do with grace more than anything but um, you know I would smoke a joint on the way to <laughs> teach a yoga class or would you really finish a yoga class I I knew that. You, know, you know take a practice and then go smoke a cigarette in the car and you know if people are doing that you know I don't mean to judge that or anything but um, the the cognitive dissonance that it kind of that I agonized over it with it about was the compartmentalizing my life you know it'd been one thing if I would been able to be really authentic about being a pothead or smoking cigarettes and then being a yogi but I was presenting myself as this like you know when I was a yoga teacher that none of those things existed in my life in a way I think that ability to kind of be in this denial or avoidance state um, benefited me to the end of that old maxim make it to you or fake it till you make it because eventually I did uh, start to feel a bit of responsibility as I kind of grew more of a culture of community around me in my students and wanting to hang out with me and it's like oh sorry I can't hang out with you because you don't want to see what I'm like you know and so um and I know it kind of seems like, well, then I just did that, you know, made some of these choices based on other people. But, um, you know, it all was very natural. It was like, you know, the cigarettes came first and that was the hardest. It was, I made a pact with our brother, Tanner. I was mm-hmm. like, he was, I was like, I'm going to quit by the time I'm 30. He's like, okay, but if you don't, can I punch you in the nuts? I was like, Yes. <laughs> And, so, and he would. Yeah, you know and, that he will do that. That stayed in my mind. So I was like, all right, I'm going to quit by the time I'm 30. And I did for the third or fourth time. And it stuck since then. And then um, the alcohol thing turned out to be a, a total like fluke. It was like a lot of like what you were talking about, like this trickster energy in our life. Like I know that, you know, 
the crow and a lot of native american cultures talks about being the trickster and the idea that we wouldn't have started out on the path that we did had we known what the result was going to be when we started on it and so i'm sure that if you would have told me whatever it was 10 11 years ago when i started yoga that this path would lead you to being you know living a sober life and you know and really like having a, a ground for ethical and moral code moral code in your life and uh I don't think I would have had any interest in that. It was probably just like that original warrior too that I felt where I was like, wow, I don't have any strength here. This is not interesting. I'm not good at this, so I'm not going to do it anymore. So it was a good thing I was tricked into it. Yeah. Yeah. So Yoga can definitely trick you in that way. Yeah. Huh. I think it does. It tricks us all. We don't step into it fully understanding how it will change us we know that transformation sounds good like the talk I gave I just gave a talk this week that I was pretty nervous about and um, but one of the things that I talked about is how yoga is a catalyst for change and that always sounds good to people Mm, yeah and then the reality of it is like oh crap I'm gonna have to you know deal with my ego deal with my addictions deal with unhealthy relationships all mm-hmm. of this other stuff yeah and it's it's all harkens to the change that you wouldn't necessarily choose for yourself but it's all the lessons um that are probably in the most need of being learned yeah totally so, which yeah. and I, I know i did i mean looking back like in hindsight it's like oh my god thank god that's why i think that there is a huge element of grace involved in my path um because I, I certainly wouldn't have chosen this from the other side. But from this side, there's no, there's no way I could have imagined something, you know, uh, so abundant for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that way too. So just continuing kind of along the lines of, because <laughs> you know me, I always like the dark side of life Uh (laughs) um I don't know if I like it but I'm intrigued by it and we've been running a yoga studio a donation-based studio together for six years now and there's been so much just good Mm -hmm. that's come from that and I just wonder though if you know if you'll talk a little about some of the struggle because it's also been hard and so for you what's the hardest thing in owning a yoga studio and maybe it's something that is on a daily basis or maybe it's been one event or maybe you want to speak to both Mm -hmm. and then how do you stay connected to a sense of living in a yogic way through that okay whoa okay a lot of things came to my mind. Uh, I think, well, the two biggest challenges have been um, my ego. And, you know, we talked a little bit about um, your Virgo-ness mm-hmm. and how you, to a great extent, overcome the micromanaging and controlling aspects that are part and parcel of being a Virgo to really... Um, allow cambio to succeed and have its air to breathe um and ironically enough i have found 
a lot of struggle with control, but for a different reason. Um, and I think it's because I, I was living this kind of dualistic life for a long time of like, you know, compartmentalizing things and not really being authentic and at the same time caring so much about what other people thought. And those two things together can be really toxic. Um, and so, you know, early on there was a lot of, uh, oh gosh, you know, during our, one of our first teacher trainings, just butting heads with people like just without any conflict resolution in sight, just, and I, I like losing sleep over those, getting stomach aches over those arguments and looking back, realizing like, wow, how much that was tied into just me needing to be validated as, um, somebody, I guess, important or, you know, or maybe some, some type of, uh, grasping for power. And I think that that came to a head, um, you know, in the other biggest struggle of this whole journey over the last six years, which was uh, my relationship uh, ending. And so, you know, the third partner that started Cambia with us was, you know, my girlfriend. And when we split up, um, you know, it was one of those things where uh, it really brought to a head how much I cared about what other people thought. And well, and if I can interject, yeah. um, I think that it was a situation where if people didn't bother to ask your side of the story, it, it looked bad. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, cause a couple of things happened. Number one, there was, uh, a lot of, and it's, you know, not to, probably not to their fault because, um, you know, we did a good job of keeping a good face on things for a long time. I mean, it was over a year. It was close to a year and a half that really the bottom had kind of dropped out of our relationship, but there was this weird um, pressure to continue to fill this role of, like, mom and dad of the studio. And um, when when everything kind of came out public that it was, like, over between us and so over that we were like moving on with our life very rapidly um, without a buffer period or without any kind of like decompression for other people to kind of uh, (laughs) deal with that. It was, it was just shocking all around. It was like this kind of shockwave in the community and um, it was totally, it was a fire experience, you know, it was like a walking through the fire kind of thing. And, you know, that was, that was certainly the most challenging aspect of anything that's happened in running this business in the last six years, but at the same time, the most important part, um, because, you know, I think that I've always struggled with, and I think a lot of people do living kind of their authentic life. You know, there's like this little, like one foot in one foot out approach to our life a lot of times because, we're really scared to kind of go all in and the circumstances of that situation, which I'm not going to go into the particular details of forced me to kind of go both feet in. And I wouldn't necessarily have chosen that for myself, but because 
I didn't have the choice past a certain time frame, um, it actually gave me a lot of uh, freedom to to really like be like, okay, well, I've already um, hardened a lot of these relationships, and so it, you know, it kind of like put me into a place of there's nothing left to lose, mm-hmm. and from that place, um, it gave me a framework to reevaluate a lot of my motives and. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff about grasping for power and uh, needing my ego stroked, you know, since then, a lot of that stuff has, has started to become very, you know, backseat. I mean, I'm not by any means like a perfect human being or, you know, I still need, you know, some validation here and there and I still care about what my friends think, but um, I definitely choose friends very differently now and I definitely have relationships predicated on very different things now and um and I'm you know ultimately like it was a messy thing it was very difficult um but I I'm very grateful for it and it also made the relationships that were very meaningful in my life like the one with you it was a lot it was galvanizing for that in a lot of ways and um you know, I think it made my understanding of what cambio means to me and yoga means to me and, and my life and the choices I want to be making and how I want to be spending my time. It brought that into perspective in a way that allowed me to question it with a lot more gravity to it. And so, um, yeah, the cha- those, those have been the biggest two challenges and ultimately the most two rewarding things to... Uh, have have worked through right well it goes back again to what you were talking about with you know if you had known what it meant when you began (laughs) oh god no way (laughs) would would you have done it honestly i was i knew it was coming for a long time Mm -hmm. and i did everything in my power to resist it and to hold it back and it literally made me sick the breakup itself yeah the breakup And, and having to confront myself for all the ways mm-hmm. in which I had failed, all the ways in which I had been deceiving myself and other people. And, um, sure. yeah. Well, and I'm thinking of the, if you had known what it would take to have the things that you now have, mm. you may not have wanted to go down that road. So it's like, you know, we, and we've both been through things like this. We've both been through personal crisis. Mine has been a little more with my health mm-hmm. where, like on the other end of that journey, thank goodness for it. Mm-hmm. But if we'd known about it going into it, that that's what it would take. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, and and we probably wouldn't have let each other go through it because Mm-mm. being brother and sister are like <laughs> yeah. caring about each other so much. It's right. like there's nothing worse than like seeing somebody you love so much, suffer so much and not literally be able to do anything about it. Yeah. But to continue to just love them and support them and... And so, yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of an interesting aspect of it, too, how the... Totally. It, I've, you know, everybody has to be tricked in a way for all of us to get on the roller coaster. Yeah. Because that was, for me, by far the hardest part of, of the... Um, so, just so listeners know, the, um, our other business partner decided to, to move out of state, and so um, 
she left the business. And so going through that, though, the hardest part, as much as I had fear and everything else, but it was really seeing people who were just hearing one side of the story, mm-hmm. it, their perception of you. And it, you know, as, as your sister, that was really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. But it, now, thank goodness for it. Yeah, it was... It's funny because me and my friend joke about it being like front page yoga news and, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like by any means we're celebrities or anything in Colorado Springs, but like, well, I guess to Colorado Springs standards, being a yoga teacher, a well-known yoga teacher would be the closest thing you could get to being maybe a celebrity here. But it was like, I mean, everybody, you know, they know you as a certain, they have a box for you and they put you in that, mm-hmm. you know, that they identify you with a certain label. And once you kind of, uh, you know, once you buck that convention that's been created for you, um, yeah, it's... Or that you've created yourself, Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think... Because I think there's a lot of image building that happens, that we all do. Yeah. But when you're leaders in a community or, or you're yoga teachers or whatever else, I think there's a lot of image building oh totally there's so much like there's so much yeah this should be a pot i mean there's so much bs to yoga mm-hmm. there's so much bs to yoga teachers and there's so much bs to the yoga guru and um and it definitely was a humbling experience for me to check my ego to be like well how much am i buying into this how much am i playing into this and invested in this and you know i certainly was and you know it's something that I mean, on the other side of it, it's so interesting to see like how easy it is to fall into that trap that, you know, it's really like, it's kind of terrifying to realize how like easy it is to get, um, I guess how easy it is to get the blinders pulled over your eyes about your, your own BS Mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. So isn't that the truth? Yeah. Okay. So. You were in a relationship with someone who was a yoga teacher, and um, that kind of, in a lot of ways, went up in flames. And in in some ways, because of being in business together, Mm -hmm. it made it all the harder. And now, so now you're in a relationship with um, just a brilliant, wonderful woman who is also a yoga teacher, (laughs) (laughs) and you collaborate a lot. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I think it's an important part of who you are and how you connect with people. And so, talk a little bit about that, about yoga in relationships, and and maybe even the business side of yoga and collaboration within a relationship. And what what is what have you found works? Mm. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, I think I'm fairly unconventional in the respect that I wouldn't have it any other way, even after having been kind of burnt by the fire of that very same (laughs) fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's what I still thrive off is that, you know, to me, just the, the kind of relationship where you go do your thing, they go do their thing. At the end of the day, you kind of say like, well, how was it? You know, and you get you know, a peripheral sense of what life your partner is living just 
and I don't know maybe that's some kind of structural aspect of myself because we've been such close friends my whole life and just Mm -hmm. being able to relate to another female and being so close and so it's just something that I've you know strive for um what works is that um hmm you know I think you know it just comes down to love and support like you love the person when they succeed you love the person when they fail and you support themselves or you support them in a sense that you see them greater than they see themselves so you know I I don't think I could fall in love or be invested in a relationship with somebody that I didn't see um, the greatness of that person so like with you or with my partner um, I just kind of like that's the one thing I let myself assume is that the great aspects of them that I see they are there and they're true and so um, usually that can be uh, impetus for conflict sometimes because you have a standard for someone and um, you know and it can push you into some difficult exchanges Uh, but I also think that conflict can be a very healthy thing I think as long as it's um, done with kindness and temperance and resolve which you know that being the key is not being like a I'm right thing but what is right here Um, and you know not that I can always adhere to all that when I get in the heat of the moment because I am an emotional person I'm a very passionate person but at the end of the day I can generally by and large at this time of my life come back to that you know that underlying foundational bedrock of like you know okay yeah my feelings were hurt or your feelings were hurt or this sucked or this was hard but what is what is the resolve what is the conclusion or the solution mm-hmm. you know and so um yeah i mean it's it's hard you know being in working with your partner presents a whole new level of difficulty as far as uh, business is concerned but it the benefits are far outweigh I would say the cons yeah yeah well so speaking of conflict and working with people that can bring up conflict I think people a lot of times the questions I get are what's it like working with your brother and <laughs> how are you siblings and you're both hmm. so into yoga and you own this business together mm-hmm. so what is because definitely you and I have had conflict. Yeah. We also, I think, uh, work together exceptionally well for siblings. I don't think all siblings, um, mm-hmm. you know, start in the same place we do, which is just with we have a genuine, um, just we adore each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as people. Yeah. We just totally love each other. And so... But, yeah, there's definitely conflict at times, and it's changed over the years. But yeah. talk about that a little. Um, what's, what's it like working with your sister? What's been, what's been hard? Mm, well, um, I think, let's see. Um, well, it's a, it's a bit different, my role, because I'm, 
you know, I think, I think one thing that's easy is that we know each other well enough to know kind of what each other's good at. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes a little bit of crossover as far as like, you know, we both like to do certain things. And if there's only so much that can be done in that respect, you know, there's just a give for one of us and we know each other so well that a lot of times it doesn't even need to be a conversation. It's just kind of a natural ebb and flow of that. And, you know, there's a, I think because of the admiration we have for each other, that generosity comes really easy to us. Um, and as far as enjoying the fruits of the work and, um, you know, so as far as it getting hard, you know, I think that like, it's a matter of like, the challenges aren't so much of like how to figure out how to work together or um, disagreeing on things because I think, you know, first of all, we're very fortunate to not disagree on a lot of things because um, we're both very like-minded people. And as far as running the studio is concerned, we are both very committed to the grounding, the guiding principles being the ground of which the conversation is constructed. Mm-hmm. and. So it's not really about us half the time about really, if there were to be a disagreement, it would always just come back to um, this thing that we have between us. So in a way we're really lucky because it, it takes what one might think we would fight about kind of out of the equation. Um, and you know, the business is not, and because of that too, it also takes off an extra pressure because the business is not designed to make us rich. and you know we're not getting rich um maybe one day we will but that's not the point um and so that's that's really freeing in a lot of ways and um you know i i don't see the difficulties as much as i see the ways in which uh in ways in which i appreciate you know how we support each other's successes and I think also are invested in each other thriving and doing this you know I think there's things that I see you that you know you really have fallen into ways in which you work in the company uh, that really kind of light your day up and those ne- those aren't necessarily the same things that I always like to do um, but back to the difficulty I think that you know, um, maybe the hardest part is just, you know, seeing, seeing it hard for you, you know, because I think a lot of times my role, um, beyond doing what I can for the studio and bringing what I can to the studio directly, there's a subordinate role of me supporting you in a lot of ways. Um, and not that you need that or that I, you know, you could do what you do without me. I don't mean to say that, but um, I think it's it's kind of just like a, a psychic thing where it's like, um, you know, if you've had a really bad day or something's really hard, you know, like we went through the DPOS thing this year and, um, you know, that was a state regulation on yoga studios in Colorado to charge them ridiculous state-regulated fees for the teacher training, um, which you know, the politics of it were kind of, it was really egregious and totally greedy. Um, 
and it would have put a lot of studios out of business and it was stressful for us because we were fighting it and we were in Colorado Springs at the front line of fighting it and specifically when I say we is you because you're the owner of the studio and ultimately you know at the end of the day Cambio is yours and so to see the toll that the stresses of business in general can take on the person at the avant-garde the front lines of that um, and to care so much about them and love them so much I mean, that's probably the hardest part. It's not so much about the ways in which we disagree or because we just simply don't that much or the way we have to share some of the successes because that's just, in, a, in truth, just a joy. Um, but in the ways that, like, um, these kind of, like, ridiculous challenges that can come up that can threaten all the beauty that we've worked so hard for... Um, and the effect that can have on us individually, like it doesn't, it, it does affect me, but like to see it stress you out is, is definitely the hardest part about it. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that we've always been that way. Yeah. I mean, that's like when you got in the fight in La Junta at our outside <laughs> our great grandma's house. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you wanted to fight your own fight and, I jumped on the kids' back, and yeah. I had just put on, like, Lee press-on nails, and they all popped <laughs> off, and, and that kind of ended the fight. It did. <laughs> so there's, that's always been the dynamic, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's it, just, like, letting each other fight our own battles mm-hmm. without it taking a uh, toll on us by proxy. Right. That's, that's a hard thing. It is hard. Yeah. It is hard to... Because if um, something sucks for you, it's just going to suck for me and vice versa. Right. And it's it's hard to let your stuff be your stuff and my stuff mm-hmm. be my stuff, but to still be there for each other. Yeah. And, and I think that's something a lot of people work on in their lives is yeah. how do you support people without um, just taking it on yeah. yourself? Yeah, and suffering their... Yeah. Yeah. Just suffering their stuff. And that that's hard. So... One other thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. before we get to our last question is people who know you know that while yoga is a passion, um, perhaps an even bigger passion or at least a more long-term passion is uh, music. Mm-hmm. And you're an amazing musician. And over the years, I've gotten to witness how you've kind of merged the two together. You play for yoga classes a lot and and yoga's influenced the kind of music you do but what are some of the ways that those relationship the what are some ways that the music and the yoga complement each other and how does your relationship to each uh change as in hang on let me start that question over um because <laughs> that was going down a road that made no sense. So, um, you know, as your relationship to music changes and grows, does that impact your relationship to yoga and vice versa? Is there any kind of correlation? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. A lot of correlation. Um, Where to begin? I mean, the God, that's like such a big topic and question that could be a whole podcast. But um, 
you know, I think that I loved music and that's what brought me to wanting to play music for other people. And then um, somewhere along the way that aspiration uh, kind of became um, as it kind of became... I don't know how you say, just kind of almost like like the aspiration became greater than the love to play music. And so um, in a lot of ways, I think yoga has brought me back to letting go of the finish line with music and to enjoy it again in a way that um, isn't dependent on ambition or achievement or aspiration beyond um, just the exercise of it. So, you know, we talk about let the practice be the practice. And I think in along the way it's allowed music to become a practice again of love for me versus uh, something that's been, you know, that can easily become kind of a wall to just bang your head against if you're, uh, trying to hold on to the outcome of something so tightly which um you know being an outsider young growing up and only having one thing in my life that made me feel good without any repercussion i mean because the drugs certainly made me feel good and they were medicine for me for many years and in some ways but then they take a toll in a lot of different ways um music the only way it ever t- took a toll was when that love for it became uh, secondary. And so, yeah, yoga kind of has brought me back to uh, the purity and the joy of it and the innocence of it in a lot of ways. And um, surely, yeah, y- the other is true as well. The inverse of yoga informing or yoga being infused by what I've been able to glean from everything I've learned from being a musician, from performing to uh, sensibility and sensitivity and <laughs> multiplicity, you know, multitasking, those well, kinds of things. I think artistry, too. You bring a real artistry to, to your yeah. teaching. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, they definitely have in, they inform one another and they get, I, I would hope they're getting better and all the time. And I, I definitely feel a sense that there is a line between the two that is getting thinner and thinner and thinner, where more and more music is becoming yoga and more and more, uh, I'm not sure how it works the other way, yoga is becoming <laughs> music. Maybe it is somehow. It's funny, though, because I was just thinking that when you started to say that is it's funny asking how yoga influences anything, because I think you get to a point where yoga becomes so much a part of your life that yoga is everything. So to say that yoga is affecting your music, will you say, well, my music is yoga? Yeah, really? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, yeah, I think if you look at a lot of great musicians, they would probably say the opposite you know that like everything is everything is music i mean if you look at the symphony of or the music of the spheres and the you know the celestial harmonic resonances and things like that you know and we're all vibrations and particles i mean you can get really kind of metaphysical about it in that sense 
but um, great musicians who dedicated their whole life to music. Uh, yeah, it, it, when it's that central to the heart of everything you do, it can't help but inform every other aspect of your life. And I think being as a music came first and has been such a long time uh, kind of friendship for me that it, it definitely, it's gotten a lot back from yoga, but it's made me everything I am in, in terms of what I can offer as a yoga teacher and what, um, what I'm able to receive from the practice on the mat too. Cool. So, yeah. All right. So last question, and I feel like everything we've been talking about really is an answer to this, but if you were to just sum it up, what does living your yoga mean to you? Um, well, I think the idea of the inner authority, you know, I think it's all right. Well, there you have it. Uh, unfortunately we ran out of, uh, SIM card, a rookie mistake. This is our second episode. Um, but we did not get that last question recorded. Um, I'm going to leave it with just saying that living your yoga is all about obeying your inner authority. And um, thanks for joining us again. I hope you enjoyed the second podcast, and we look forward to um, where we're going to go with this next. I think we've got a lot of exciting interviews, a lot of exciting ideas lined up, and I hope that this helps you uh, live your yoga. Alrighty, until next time.